Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. But he's also got a huge mouth, huge mouth. And what he likes to talk about, he loves to talk about himself. He's boasting arrogantly. We also know from this horn, as we get into go further into the book of Daniel, he loved to spew blasphemies about God. His little horn hates people who love God. Hates them. Hates Christianity. Absolutely hates Christianity. And everything associated with Christianity. If you haven't realized it yet, the enemy absolutely hates Christianity. In today's message from Pastor James, he shares with us the harsh reality that spiritual warfare is real. It's not made up stories or fables. There's actually an enemy called Satan who hates God and his people. Pastor James encourages us that as believers in Jesus, we should hold tightly to his word. Bury the word of God deep in your heart. That way you'll know the truth. False teaching is everywhere. So build yourself up in the Lord. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 7 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. about this leopard and what it you know who it represents and all that good stuff with Greece and was it Alexander moved with swiftness and quickness and he was he himself was so impressed by how fast he conquered i mean he was conquering enemies that were many times greater than him and his armies but he moved so fast and that was the other thing is he was caught, he was catching enemies off guard because as they were gearing up and amassing their armies and all that stuff here, here comes the, here comes the Greece army and, and they just, man, just show up out of nowhere and then wipe everybody out. And he even, um, Alexander even got like to this point where he was like depressed, so to speak, because he's like, there's nowhere else to conquer. I've conquered the world. Like he even conquered all the way over to India, areas of India. And I mean, he was just everywhere. It was impressive. However, what we know historically is that that guy died at an early age very unexpectedly. And so when the ruler dies, then what do you do? Well, you assign the, uh, the rulership, so to speak, to the four generals. And isn't it fascinating that here's Daniel, he's not, he, he precedes the leopard, but God in his wisdom and his knowing is like, oh yeah, Daniel, there's going to be this leopard type army type empire is going to have four heads, four heads, which symbolizes the four generals that take over once the main guy goes down. Isn't that fascinating? How, uh, how ironic? Well, I mean, like, my goodness, Daniel, that's, that's, that's so impressive. This is part of the reason why people believe that the book of Daniel is not like, wasn't written by Daniel. Because they're like, there's no way he could have known this. It had to be written by somebody who showed up at a much later date in order for him to know details like this. Well, I can understand that unless you're connected to God Almighty, who is all-knowing. And like the future is, is not the future for God. There is no like future for him. There's no real past for him either. 
He's above time and space. So he's not confined to our, you know, our parameters of, of past, present, and future. God's above and outside all of that. So for him to look hundreds of years down the road and, you know, for the most part, and be like, oh yeah, Daniel, there's going to be a leopard. He's going to have four heads. He's got four wings. Alexander, yeah, that guy's going to rise up. He's going to rule. He's going to die. And they're going to divide out the kingdom and all that good stuff. Like, and even if that wasn't 100 years, you know, per, you know beyond this, this story itself, God knew exactly what was going to happen and when it was going to go down. I, I, don't, I don't always understand why people have such a difficult time with that. But then the realization kind of kicks back up into my brain that oftentimes you're dealing with people who don't actually see the Bible as the word of God. They look at it as purely as like a, a historical book. It's a historical book that is somewhat accurate is what they would say. When I approach the word of God, I approach it as the spoken word of God. Like it came from him. I believe that there was a real man named Daniel who was taken captive as a teenager from Jerusalem and brought to Babylon. I believe that he, he rose within the ranks of Babylon because he was a faithful man. He was an intelligent man, but the spirit of God was with him and he used him tremendously. I believe that Daniel, being a real person, uh, saw real dreams and real visions. And these things he saw, I believe, I personally hold fast to the fact that these things are factual. And what he saw was exactly what God showed him. So I'm not surprised by like, wow, Alexander, like they hadn't even shown up on the scene yet, but they would. God has no problem with predicting the future because it's all in his hands. So here's this, this third beast. It's, it's a leopard. It's swift. It's, it's fast moving. It's very powerful. It's conquering the known world, all that good stuff. It's doing exactly what, what the Bible said it was going to do. And then it even gets down to the fact that it doesn't have just one head. It has four heads. And lo and behold, that empire lost their ruler, and then they divided it out four ways. I mean, this is just another proof text to me that you can trust your Bible. Like, what's in here that you can't trust? What's in here that we can't rely on? I mean, it's, God's just so, like, just accurate. It's amazing. It's amazing. But here we come to the fourth beast, and here's the, the focus of this chapter. Like I said, the other beast, if you're like, well, I want to know more. There's more to be known concerning each of the first three, for sure. And we'll get into that as we go on throughout the rest of Daniel. But as far as Daniel chapter 7 is concerned, the fourth beast is, one, is the one we want to pay attention to. So verse 7, then in my, in my vision that night, I saw a fourth beast, terrifying, dreadful, and very strong. It devoured and crushed its victims with huge iron teeth and trampled their remains beneath its feet. It was different from any of the other beasts, and it had 10 horns. So, I mean, automatically we know like this thing is a, it's a beast that Daniel has like never seen before. As far as we know, I mean, he's like lion with wings, uh, with eagle's wings, very specific, bear, ribs in his mouth, leopard, and four wings on its back, four-headed leopard with four wings on his back. Like he's describing animals, and he's describing attributes of animals pretty clearly. When you get to the fourth beast, fourth beast he's like, I don't know, it's a monster. The thing is a monster. 
So they said dragon, which is, I get it. You go to Revelation, you, you'll see that, yeah, that there could be some truth to that. But when I look at this, all I see is it's a monster. It's a monster. He says it's terrifying. It's dreadful. Very strong. Strong adjectives he's using here to describe this beast. It devoured and it crushed its victim with its huge iron teeth. And then we're like, iron teeth. There was iron in that statue. Oh, yeah, in his toes, right? The iron mixed with the clay and the leg, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, this fourth beast is Rome. It's Rome. And it's, you're like, well, Rome has already come and gone. That empire is done. Well, not the revived Roman Empire. There's the revived Roman Empire that's probably actually in the works right now. Um, yes, I know this, this Rome that oftentimes we think about, it ruled for so long. I mean, actually, Rome ruled for longer than any other empire on this nation. And it was way more powerful than any other nation, uh, any other empire on this, this nation. Rome was amazingly powerful and just absolutely just crushing everybody for like a thousand years, like just ruling, like reigning. This monster is, is devouring people. It's trampling them beneath its feet. It's different from any other beast. And here's the thing. It had these 10 horns, 10 horns. Again, we're going to get into the more specifics of the 10 horns, which could be the 10 other rulers with it. We know in, in Rome, there were um, the number 10 is pretty significant, whether it be the 10 mountains and you got 10 different rulers and all that good stuff. So yeah, it is one monster with 10 horns, 10 horns speaking of power. This conjures up within our brain, this, it's almost like connected to like a new world order kind of a thing. People's minds oftentimes go toward like, towards like a European Union type thing where within where Rome is geographically located there in Europe, that there will be 10 rulers within that region who rise up together and are unified. Uh, technically right now, I think there's like more than 10 that, are, that have risen up together and are unified. But in the end times, as we vastly approach that, uh, you got the 10 horns, but then something happens, something crazy happens. Verse 80 says, as I was looking at the horns, because who wouldn't be looking at 10 horns on a beast like a monster, says suddenly another small horn appeared among them. Three of the first horns were torn out by its roots, by their roots to make room for the one little horn. So if this is like a um, confederacy, so to speak, of 10 horns, well, three of them get booted out. They get uprooted to make room for a little horn, a little horn. Little horn, big mouth, right? Like this is, this is the part of the focal point. It says this little horn comes up. The other ones are rooted out. They're tossed to the side. It says this little horn had eyes like, a, like human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. So the little horn comes up. He's got these eyes that he can see. He's obviously the most impressive, even though he may be small in stature, Concerning the other horns that are there, now remaining seven, this, um, this little horn is the most powerful, the most dominant, and probably the smartest of the horns, but he's also got a huge mouth, huge mouth. And what he likes to talk about, he loves to talk about himself. He's boasting arrogantly. We also know from this horn, as we get into, go further into the book of Daniel, he loved to spew blasphemies about God. Little horn hates people who love God, hates them, hates Christianity, absolutely 
hates Christianity and everything associated with Christianity. So he's got this little horn boasting arrogantly. Verse nine says this, I watched as thrones were put in place. Here's a cool little transition. It's like you imagine you're having this dream alongside Daniel and you're like, first beast was kind of scary, pretty impressive. Second beast, now that dude was scary. Third beast, leopard, powerful, fast. That's, that's frightening in, in its own kind of way. Um, but this fourth monster, that's stuff that nightmares are made out of. And then you got this little horn that pops up and like, what, what, is, what is that about? What is going on? And then you got like this scene. It doesn't, the scene doesn't shift, so to speak, but the focus does. He says, I, I watched as thrones were put in place in the ancient one, the ancient, the ancient of days, right? Um, the ancient one, that's God. It's God the Father. The ancient one sat down to judge. His clothing was as white as snow, his hair like the purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. And a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Right? So it's just innumerable is basically what, what it's saying there. Then the court began its session and the books were open. And you're like, the books? What are we talking about? We'll see. Daniel chapter 11, Daniel chapter 12. Okay? That's, the books come back then. Right? Um, and, and please keep in mind too, context-wise, Daniel is, is addressing, even though the, this, this whole chapter is in Aramaic, Daniel is addressing Jewish people. Okay, so books are opened and you're like, what? What's going to happen? Sounds like judgment's about to happen. Well, yeah, sort of. Verse 11, he says, I continue to watch because I could hear the little horn's boastful speech. So here's Daniel. He's like, there's a monster. There's a weird little horn. Oh, wait, there's God and all the angels and saints. And he sees this heavenly scene and he's like, that's amazing, but he can't enjoy that because over here on the monster is that little horn who won't shut his mouth. He's just yapping the whole time. As Daniel's having a dream and he's like, I'm trying to enjoy this, but this guy over here, he's like, he won't stop. He said he kept going. Uh, it, he says, I, this, the little horn, his boastful speech, I, he's like, I kept watching until the fourth beast was killed <laughs> and its body was destroyed by, the fi by fire. Then it's like, he's seen this whole scene. He's like, I really haven't paid attention to this. This little horn, man, he's annoying me. Oh, no, that beast just got slaughtered. Well, how? What? That, it seemed pretty quick and pretty fast. Yeah, because that's how it is with God. Well, that's a monster. Oh, don't worry. There are no monsters to God. That's, a, that's the most powerful thing we've ever seen on this planet. Nothing. 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 That's the most impressive. Do you under, I mean, he was like grinding people and, and just stomping all over dead men's bodies and all that. Nobody could stand in its path. Oh, no, no, no. It's nothing. With a word, that beast is slaughtered. With a word. It's like Daniel's like, oh, that dude's so annoying. And it's like, boom, he's dead. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, sweet. Um, we should celebrate that, right? Yeah, absolutely. He says his body was destroyed by the fire. The other three beasts had their authority taken from them, but they were allowed to live a while longer. So it's like, what, what's that talking about? Babylon had its time, came and it went. Medes and the Persians had their time, came 
and it went. The, Greece, the Grecian Empire and all that good stuff came and it went, right? There's still, there's still people from these regions and all this good stuff, all that like, but we're not talking about the people, we're talking about these empires. They came and they had their time. They left. They're done. You know, for the most part, God was done with them. But this fourth, fourth beast, this one would be, this is it. No more. There's no more. Their authority was taken from them, but they were allowed to live a little bit longer or for a season and a time. Um, verse 13, as he goes on, as my, vi- as my uh, vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man. Now that's a common phrase for Jesus, the Messiah, okay? Or one who is like the son of man. The son of man, is a, it's, it's like a title kind of a thing that Daniel liked to use, but it always is applied to Jesus. Even himself in the gospels would refer to him a few times as the son of man, okay? Saw someone like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world. Meaning this, he is king of kings and lord of lords, right? So that the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Come with what you may, Satan, world, and Antichrist, and all that good stuff. Nothing. They have nothing. They have nothing on God. They have nothing on, and let me phrase this a little bit, a little bit bigger for you. They have nothing on the kingdom that you are associated with, that you are a part of. The kingdom that you are a part of is the, is the grandest and the greatest and the most powerful kingdom to ever have existed. That's where you belong. That's where you live. And not, you're, you're not just like some commoner within the kingdom. You're a son, you're a daughter within the kingdom. That will never end. That will never be conquered. The biggest and the baddest monster ever rears his ugly head and God strikes him down and says, I'm done with you. Done. Finished. Now it's time for my kingdom. And his kingdom, his kingdom continues on forever and ever. It's amazing. That's what you're connected to. That's what you're a part of. That's amazing. That's where we belong. That's a very near future for each and every one of us. It's his kingdom. It's Jesus's kingdom, rightly handed to him and given to him from the Father. It's amazing. He shows up, and what beast? What little horn? None of it matters. None of it can even, it's not even on the same level. Even Satan himself, as a fallen angel, is not on the same level as Jesus, the second part of the triune God that we believe in. They can't touch him. We can't, they, they don't even compete. So what I want to encourage you with is this. You're on the winning side if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You're on the winning side. Like, you're on the best side ever. So if you ever have these notions or these ideas of like, or maybe you think like, well, I think America is the greatest kingdom on this planet. It's not. It's not. It's impressive. It's impressive. What, what America has been able to accomplish in its short existence is very impressive. 
but it's not the greatest. And that's not a slight towards America. I love this country. And you may think like, well, what about those Chinese dynasties and for thousands of years? Impressive, but not the greatest. Nothing this world could ever produce will ever outshine what God has coming. It can't compete with it. So Daniel saw these things. Then verse 15 says, I, Daniel, was troubled (laughs) by all I had seen, and my visions terrified me. Of course they did. And if we're honest, I would have been, I would have woke up in a cold sweat and been like, what is going on? Like, what, what, what did I eat? Holy cow. Like, this is incredible. He was terrified. It said he was anxious. He says, so I approached, this is what's crazy. Because he's still kind of in the vision state, so to speak. Because he's like, he, he's, he's just, he's terrified. He, he's troubled. He's anxious by these things. Verse 16, so I approached one of those standing beside the throne and asked them what it all meant. So he approaches an angel. Like, here's Daniel, still in his bed, like, kind of freaking out within this dream of like, what, 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 what's going on? And then he has, he has the notion, I'm just going to like, Saunder up to this angel, who, an angel, maybe Gabriel, right? he's not named here, but he walks up to this angel and he's like, excuse me, what does this mean? <laughs> like, he's like, he's so like moved by everything that he's seen. He's so like, he, the word there in the New Living Translation, he's just, he's troubled by it. He approaches one of those, an angel standing beside the throne and he asks him what it all meant. I love this explanation, short and simple. Short and sweet. That's what it is. Look, he says, um, he explained it to me like this. These four huge beasts represent four kingdoms that will arise from the earth. But in the end, the holy people of the Most High will be given the kingdom and they will rule forever and ever. He's like, oh yeah, that, oh, what that means is this. Four beasts, four kingdoms. They're going to rise, they're going to fall. Don't worry about that because the kingdom to come. But in the end, the saints, the holy ones, Christ followers, technically, is what you can say here, of the Most High will be given the kingdom. And they will rule forever and ever. Like, he's like, oh, yo, you want to know what all this means? That's what it means. Four kingdoms will rise. Four kingdoms will fall. One kingdom will stand forever. And Daniel, you're a part of that kingdom. You're a part of that kingdom. Don't be troubled by it. Don't be anxious by it. Don't be worried about it. You're on the right side, Daniel. Daniel wants a little bit more clarification. Thank you, Daniel, for asking for more clarification. He says, then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, because who wouldn't? The one so different from the others and so terrifying. It had devoured and crushed its victims with its iron teeth and bronze claws. There's a new descriptive right there. We didn't hear about the claws at the beginning, but here he is, bronze claws, trampling the remains or their remains beneath its feet. I also asked about the 10 horns on the fourth beast head and the little horn that came up afterward and destroyed the three of the other, or destroyed three of the other horns. This horn had seemed greater than the others and it had human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. As I watched, this horn was waging war against God's saints. I'm going to use the term saints there because I think this helps us to clarify some end times chronological stuff, okay? It says God's holy people. Well, God's holy people are, are saints. The 
The book of Daniel is so interesting because many of the prophecies spoken of have played out in the course of history. What an amazing glimpse of what was to come ahead of time. If there's one thing that's for sure about prophecy in the Bible, it is going to come true. Some of these things might seem a little scary or altogether strange, but how cool is it that God brings everything to a place where He's in control? and he'll bring about good in the end. If you're wrestling with things being out of your control, be reminded through the book of Daniel that God has got this. Here at Bread for the Broken, we want to be a support to you in whatever you're currently walking through. And if you'd like to use us as a resource or just give a listening ear, we're here for you. Go to breadforthebroken.com and click on contact to leave a message for us. We'd love to get to know you in person, too. So join us Sundays or Wednesdays as we study God's Word together. Head on over to breadforthebroken.com to find out our service times and directions. We're so grateful for our listening audience. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider teaming up with us in a financial way? Much is done to get these teachings on the radio, and we're thankful for those who feel led by God to contribute in such a way. Simply go to the About tab on our website and you'll find a donate link. Also, if you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for listening today to Bread for the Broken. 